Attention all filmmakers. You have short films or full features without a district. Come to www.fhffsd.org. That is the fantastic horror film festival. So hurry up. Submit now. Hello, everyone. This is Gruesome Herzog. My very special guest is the talented Travis Sexy Leg. Travis, how are you? Excellent. I'm feeling much better now that you've called me sexy. You? <laughs> You're pretty sexy in dry spell. Uh, yeah, uh, I've heard that. I don't know that I agree with the assessment, but thank you. <laughs> That's a really difficult scene for me to share. Yeah, yeah, you finish that sentence. Wait, 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 hold on a minute. <clears throat> hold on a minute. If you finish that sentence, I'm going to punch you in the dick. <laughs> One of the great lines from Dry Spell. I, I'm a. I must be a kid at 45, but I thought that was the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. Well, how it was you. delivered. But anyways, we'll get back to business here. There's a film that I have seen. I've not yet reviewed it yet, but I am a big slasher fan. I grew up in the late you know, 70s, and I'm a big 80s horror guy, and I love slashers. And Raymond did it in 2011. Uh, was your first feature and the most funny part about myself watching this film I'm thinking okay it's it's Travis's first film so there's got to be you know it, it's gonna, it's probably going to have that no budget low budget feel by saying that I don't mean it in the mean way I'm just saying it that usually a person's first film is usually not full capacity but the project it's done and I love work like that but as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, dude, is this is his first film? It's in fucking credit. It's it's incredible how it started off with the uh, the music and, and the way it was shot. I was like, damn, I'm fucking impressed. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. So I'm watching this film, and of course, from watching Dry Spell and from watching Holiday Carvings, so I already seen these actors, um, Kyle, in Dry Spell. So then I realized, oh, this is his first performance, and he was the, you know, Raymond in in this film, and and I'm thinking, dude, I I never thought about having a gigantic dude as a killer, and I thought with your idea of the story writing and 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 having the idea of having a guy that size to be a killer is fucking brilliant, and I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, wow. This is probably one of the first slashers that I've watched in a long while that actually kept me looking and watching and watching and watching that I did not want to walk away to go to the bathroom. I just stuck with it because, I don't know, you as a director, you have feelings different than I do because it's your baby and you see problems with it, which I saw some, but I don't give a fuck about them. That's just me. But, um, again, I thought it was one of the brilliant first attempts by a filmmaker. Well, thank you. That means a lot. I mean, and a lot of the credit for that goes to I had a fucking I had a phenomenal cast like a phenomenal cast I can't say enough good about them uh, Lindsay Felton if she wouldn't have been able to pull off what she pulled off the movie wouldn't have worked uh, Alyssa Dowling was a dream to work with Jessica Pallet was a dream to work with uh, Kyle was amazing so I mean that that to me is like 80% of the battle make sure you've got performers that can do their job Stephen Edwards who I wound up working with again on Dry Spell as well yeah uh, all amazing work. Ty Yeager, I've worked with him a couple times. All did great jobs. Secondly, I had an amazing crew. Um, Tim Stotts, the director of photography uh-huh. on that He made me look like ten times the filmmaker I was at that point. Really, That's, I mean, yeah. he just made that movie look 
profit. It did. Uh, it did. I mean, I don't want to cut you off. I'm apologizing, but sure. but since you brought that up, when I'm watching this film, I'm thinking, dude, this seems like a like a twenty to thirty thousand dollar film, if not more, just by the way it was shot. It's like, wow. I mean, I would, you know, again, I'm not saying anything bad, but usually when you when you don't hear of a film or it's a filmmaker's first film, eighty percent of the time you know there's going to be issues because, hey, look, you know, it's a feat of its own to even start a film and finish it. That shows passion, it shows pride, and it shows that you want to be a filmmaker. And I want to open-minded, as you're supposed to, but just to watch it, and, and it just shot very beautiful. It really uh, is. So Tim's, Tim, Tim is so talented. And you know, we shot that thing on uh, Sony EX-1. It's not... not uh, it's a good camera, but it's not, you know, we didn't shoot it on like a red. Uh, we didn't shoot it on, you know. Right, right. I mean, he really, he, he knew his gear. He knew that camera. We knew where the, where the ends were as far as the color range and just, and what we could play with with light and get away with. We knew what we were going to be doing in post. Uh, Robert Williams, the editor for it, um, he has won multiple awards. He's edited documentaries for PBS. He's, uh, he works at um, oh, how where does he work now? He does he cuts bumpers for a, a pay uh, like a pay movie like a premium cable station now. Um, but I mean you know just having that team that we knew exactly what the boundaries of our stuff of, of our gear and our and our uh, not technical knowledge were and we tried to operate within those and I think that's why it looks like a million bucks you know as opposed to the five bucks we shot it. Well, you know, yeah, we mean, uh, again, I mean, I mean, a brilliant, I mean, it's a brilliant film. And I didn't review it yet, but you are hearing me now, but I'll do my review. And, and uh, the cast, I thought, again, was remarkable. Kyle Hoskins is probably one of the most fun actors to watch on film. I mean, to watch him as Raymond and then to watch him in in dry spell I mean there's there's chemistry between you two you, you can see that on set you can see that on the screen um, especially in a dry spell but the mother um, Mrs. Rourke Linda oh. I thought she was one of the most sweetest actresses that I've seen in the film you can tell that that mother instinct for real I'm assuming the way it looks that she's a mother for real it came through in her performance um, for her two sons and and to watch what happened to the boys and then to see uh, what she says to uh, Tammy yeah oh yeah yeah no, that we'll see and, and Linda had to do such I mean she really has to play two characters in this film you know yeah and it's, there's there's a bit of time between the first time you see her and the second time you see her and things have happened. Um, you know, to keep it spoiler-free, things have gone bad. Um, but she really nailed that dynamic, and it was one of the that was one of the important things um, to me when I was casting. Because in a lot of ways, when I made Raymond, did it, the idea that I had, like, I don't know how familiar you are with comics, but yeah, there's uh, Ultimate Marvel, right? Um, you know, where they take like the Ultimate Spider-Man, they take Spider-Man, they do like a different take on his origin story and a different take on what I'm, I'm the icon that is that character, right? Mm-hmm. So when I'm writing Raymond did it, I thought to myself, what I'd like to do, I'd like to take something like Halloween or Friday the 13th, the slasher, the big, you know, slow, like, um, I am, you know, like the Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers kind of um, force of nature slasher, 
and do an ultimate style spin on it. And so I started to try to boil it down in terms, like in Joseph Campbell-like terms, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I thought was really important to have there was that relationship with the mom. Because you look at Friday the 13th, there's a very strong correlation between Jason and his mom. You look at Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's mom plays a huge role in who he becomes. Right. Um, That sort of thing. So from a storytelling perspective, I wanted somebody that I thought could sort of hit that dramatic beat uh, and Linda did such a fantastic job at it. Yes, and Alyssa Dowling played Paige. <laughs> what a ignorant, nasty bitch Paige was. I mean, Alyssa Dowling knocked it out of the ballpark because oh. she was so obnoxious, you know. Oh, I mean, she was, and, and you know, nothing could be further from Alyssa's actual personality, by the by. She is just the sweetest thing on the planet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she just came in and just really was a repulsive bitch. And she had to be. Like that was Yeah, that's the main story. Yeah. We wanted to wanted to sell is, you know, just make her this totally repugnant, just bad person. And yeah. um you know, again, she just so did it so well. And when I met her in person, um before we started filming, I was concerned a little bit. I was like you know, she's really sweet. I wonder if she's going to be able to inhabit this. But then I went and watched some of her work, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, she got it. <laughs> um, so it's not a role she hasn't. I mean, I'm sure there are things in that role that she would say were new to the party for her, but it's certainly not anything she hasn't. It's not unfamiliar ground, I guess I should say. Well, the 13-year-old um, Paige was phenomenal, too. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Patricia Raven was yeah, Patricia Raven, and she did she did a fantastic job. And her and it was funny because we had cast from New York, L.A., and Rockford, where I'm from. Um, and it just so happened that Patricia and uh, Alyssa both live in L.A., so they were able to actually spend a little bit of time together. I think before the shoot, and sort of discuss what they were going to do to sort of make their characters same, similar. Yeah. And they really it really worked. Yeah. Uh, Probably the best for them uh, out of the, all the kids. If there's uh, the kids were great. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't want to cast any aspersions on them. But um, you know, as a filmmaker, you always look at your previous work and you go, "What would I have done differently?" And um, when we were in post, the editor told me, "He's like, you really should have taken that opening sequence and cut it up as flashbacks throughout the film, rather than just having it all up front." And I stuck to my guns and I fought him on it and I said, "No, let's yeah. do it the way it is." And I go back and I watch it now, and I'm like, oh my god, Robert was right. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow, I should have listened to him. So um, that's that's my my pro tip for the interview is directors listen to your editor. <laughs> but again, you know, it's just a a a fun uh, slasher film that uh, I'm really anxious to see part two. So we'll see how that goes. Thank you. We're we're hoping. I I plan to have something official to say about that at some point uh, you know next year um, once I get done sort of dealing with uh, with Dryspell which is going to be releasing early 2014 but um, yeah there are there are talks happening regarding a second Raymond of it I know that Lindsay's on board and Kyle's on board and that's really all I need to know at the moment right right, right. You know, it's just uh, it will probably come down to and because I am a I am a low budget, no budget filmmaker. It's probably going to come down to a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, you know, something where the fans will be able to say whether or not they want to see it, you know. Right. Um, and if if people are into it, we'll we'll make it happen. I would love to go back and revisit those characters. There's 
Uh, again, without delving into the spoiler territory, I tried to set it up perfectly as I could to make a sequel happen. You know, like, sometimes <laughs> a movie comes out and then you see there's part two and you're like, what are you going to do with that? I, I tried to construct Raymond and you're like, oh, there needs to be a part two of this. Um, so hopefully that panned out. Interesting. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to touch on the short film first before we get to um, Dry Spell. Um, sure. I actually watched it on Thanksgiving Day. Um, okay. Holiday Carvings in 2010. It's a little Holiday Carvings short film that it fit for Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> i tell you what. <clears throat> excuse me. I think this is one of the coolest um, holiday horror short films that I've seen in a while. I mean, yeah. um, the storyline is very, very... I'll let you explain it to the listeners, but um, Danine Melody played a character of Daisy. Um, right. yeah. I thought she was miraculous. The whole cast was miraculous, you know, for a short film. But go ahead and give listeners an idea. You know, tell sure. them where, where, where they can find it at and so forth. And, sure. Uh, it's, uh, for those of you with Roku devices, it's playing on GetScared.tv. Um, if you don't have a Roku device, I believe you can see it on YouTube still. Um, if you go to the IMDb page for Holiday Carvings, it plays there. And uh, on my website at PlasticAgeProductions.com, um, it's up there as well. And uh, the basic premise of the film, uh, you have uh, this girl, Daisy, who's kind of a country girl, and she's off at college. And her and her boyfriend, Neil, are uh, sitting around at the house. And uh, Neil kind of, well, she's sitting around, and Neil kind of surprises her and shows up. And uh, she says, you know, I appreciate you stopping by, but you really need to go. My family's coming to get me. And um, you know, she, she's been very tight-lipped about her family past. Uh, so Neil is all excited about the possibility of meeting them, but she really doesn't want him to stay. And reason being, when they roll in, it's a couple of uh, uh, very rednecky, you know, uh, <laughs> dirty wife Peter wearing sort of hill folk. Um and they, of course, invite Neil to come with to dinner and Daisy protests, but they don't really listen. They don't really care. They, they bring him with anyway, and he goes to the farm to see exactly how the family throws down for the holiday. <laughs> and it's, it's very... Uh, the story behind the film was really like a bunch of us were like, dude, let's do something fun for a holiday flick. Um, you know, no, no, we didn't spend any money on it, like, at all. Um I think the I think there was like ten bucks worth of latex, maybe twenty bucks we spent at the grocery store for uh, makeup supplies. Uh, it was not a lot of money, and we just kind of threw it together on a lark, and it just it worked out so well. <laughs> it did. I, I was really like, not to sound like conceited ass, but I was really patting myself on the back, like, holy crap, I made the movie like I wanted. Well, um, uh, and the ending was, I thought was brilliant. I'm glad that you went the other way. So, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. It was, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of. I mean, I, 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 that's another story. I would love to see those characters in a feature length world. Oh, um, I know I'm it. a big fan of like the sort of like you know uber redneck like your Texas Chainsaw Massacre like the scariest. I grew up in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, so um, the scariest thing to me are rednecks. Like <laughs> the idea of being like kept and eaten in pieces. Yeah, and yeah. Weird things under your body that frightens the crap out of me. So, that that um, would be a fun film if that goes a full feature because you can go so many ends on that. Oh my god! It'd be a lot of fun. And Ty was such a hoot to work with. And I love playing the, the character of Jimmy. It's, it's a lot of fun. Like, <laughs> I know. I hope when people watch it, like, 
I, I try not to be, I don't want to be like offensive to anybody. I, I never mean anything in, in no. harm. You know, but I hope people don't think I'm, I'm really trying to be like off-putting or offensive to people who have like mental disabilities, but, um, the guy, the character was fun to play. You know, it's just, acting. It's acting. <laughs> End yeah, of was, story. It was a lot of fun. It, it was, it was really cool. And obviously, um, anyone, you know, the takeaway from this is not that, oh, Jimmy acts that way because he's slow. No, Jimmy acts that way because he's in a really, really, really screwed up family. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, so, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun to play with. And just some of those ideas are fun to play with. To me, um, you know, you watch, like, Dry Spell, you watch Dry Spell and you see that I have a, you know, ribald sense of humor. I like, <laughs> yeah, everyone with that next. That's not necessarily appropriate. Holly <laughs> Carvin's is full of them. There's a necrophilia joke in it. Because <laughs> I think necrophilia is fucking funny. <laughs> the audience does too. You know? uh, wow. Thinks it's a manual for how to prepare your Thanksgiving meal, but. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm starting to laugh already, and we're going to bring it up. Um, Dry spell in 2013 you mentioned about a release coming out in 2014 mm-hmm. now being a horror reviewer very seldom do I ever review a comedy and I lucked out twice because I got a film sent to me called Slip and Fall with William Forsyth and what a funny brilliant comedy with some great lines so you sent me this a long time ago and I went through some family uh, tragedies so it kind of got delayed pretty pretty long and uh, I happened to find it still in my Dropbox it thank you so I downloaded it and I said you know what let's take a break from horror again and let's watch this because I met naughty Susie Lorraine <laughs> two years ago and she was naughty uh, I thought the opening scene of this movie was so fucking spontaneous and outrageous that I said dude this film was going to be funny as hell so not thinking that it actually kind of turns to Kyle. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't want to say too much, I don't want to ruin the film, but some of the dates that he gets stuck dating is hilarious. Thank you. And that, we uh, we had to cut that scene down, like, a lot. We shot, maybe someday I'll put out, like, some deleted scenes or something, but that sequence was originally, like, 16 minutes long. That oh. him on those dates. We just had a whole bunch of stuff, and every time... Like, I was going through and recutting and recutting. I was like, oh, we just got to cut it to the absolute best of. And, I mean, it was it was hard to get it trimmed down to the length that it is now. But that's one of my favorite scenes in the film, too. They're, all the girls were so spot on. Just yep. nailed it. Every time. Yep. And, and uh, now, like I said, from, from seeing Kyle as the killer, as Raymond, and to see him as your co-writer... And the, you know one of the lead actors of the ex-husband of Susie, um, to see him pull off this comedy, it's like wow, night and day, you know. And yeah, this movie had me sucked in so bad that normally comedy doesn't suck me in too much because sometimes it gets a little. I don't really care much for like comedy romance, but this movie was different because it's not your typical Hollywood, you know, a guy and a girl are either uh, dating at one time, and they can't stand each other, and then bam, oh, they're back in love again, or however, it tends to get kind of 
unrealistic. Right. Uh, and I think the storyline here really does hit to reality because I'm sure there's cases like this. I don't know about the ex-wife trying to get their husband hooked up and get laid. A lot of a lot of where this story came from, honestly, uh, Kyle went through a divorce right after we shot Raymond at it. And a lot of what motivated the script for Dry Spell was a dramatization or comedization of actual events in his divorce. Not, of course, to the extent that his girlfriend didn't set him up like an internet dating profile or anything like that. Or his ex-wife didn't, you know. It wasn't like that, but... She was certainly encouraging, like, you should go out and, you know, move on with your life, please. You know, that was, and it was partially because they were trying to remain friends, and she cared about his well-being. Um, but in just a lot of the emotional beats of the divorce, as it were, um, were cribbed from real life. Right. Um, and then some of the dates, like, the construct of being set up on these dates was very much the writer's hand at work. But some of the girls in those dates are girls that Kyle ran into when he started back in the dating scene. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, you sick fuck. Uh, anyway. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. So. Well, I can uh, tell you what. Uh, Lacey, uh, Amanda Elizabeth Sawyer, yes. I thought was a sweetheart, a beauty, and I loved her um, relationship with, with uh, Sasha. Oh yeah, it was so they they nailed that so well, and uh-huh. I mean, like that was really. I was concerned um, going into that directing it because when Kyle and I wrote it, like one of the first things that we when we were when it was very much in like its protoplasmic state as a story, um, the premise that we had kicked around a lot would we would say it's a romantic comedy, but with female leads instead of male leads. This is knocked up with chicks instead of dudes. That's the that's the idea. Right. We take. So we're like, well, we want to have this relationship between these two women, um, but we're, neither one of us is a woman, so how do, we, how do we pull this off and do it right? And really, we were like, we operated from a couple of premises. One, that girls, when left, when, when guys are not around, and I hate to, I don't mean any of these stereotypes in a negative way, so... Um, but when guys are not around, girls tend to be more blunt to the point, dirtier, you know, <laughs> than guys would ever think of being. I've always thought that, you know, uh, the locker room talk in the girls' room must have been way more interesting than what guys were talking about. Um, so that was the premise we wrote from. And after that, we just said, well, let's just treat it as two two people interacting. And with that little, you know, turn up the, the raunch to 11 for the jokes... And it just, and they just, those two just inhabited it, you know. And Amanda is so talented. That girl could do anything. She could read a phone book, and make it, make it awesome. You know? <laughs> um, she is just really, really talented, and and insanely pretty. Susie, same thing. Really talented, insanely pretty. Um, both of them have a, a background working in horror, um, and most of our cast does. That was important to me to cast people. And part of the reason why I sent the film out to horror reviewers was because they'd all seen something that one of our cast was in before, you know? Right. Um, and I very much went to indie horror for casting this because a romantic comedy to me is very similar to a horror film. The beats are often the same between a slasher film and a romantic comedy as far as, like, when things happen, the speed at which the story moves. Very similar. Um, and horror actors are used to taking ridiculous outlandish shit and making it believable, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> like, I need to believe you're stupid enough to run up the stairs, you know? Right. It, it's, it's a hard thing to do. So, you know, when we, when we approached the girls about it and approached all the, all the performers about it, it's like, oh, you mean I can work 12 hour days? I don't have to be covered in blood and, you know, we can go to sleep at night? Like, yeah, sign me up, <laughs> you know? So everybody was really excited about it. And I think that shows in the film that everybody wanted so hard to be there. Like, everybody was really in love with the project. So right. it, it came through. We got really lucky. Kyle and I often say that we dated out of our league when we made that movie. But one thing I will say, um, with Sasha's character, you have all these mixed emotions towards her. You, you know, you're first you're thinking, she's crazy. I mean, she's funny. And then you get to the point where she's a sick bitch. What's wrong with her? You know, trying to get her... I'm not saying it to you. I'm just saying it character-wise. And oh. then you start feeling for her. You know, it's like this mixed bag of emotions that you feel towards the character. I mean, Kyle was Kyle. Kyle stayed the same, basically the same, you know, feelings. Um, but she was like, a, you know, the, the role that she played was a, sens- a, a sensitive woman who didn't know what she wanted but then she impulsively trying to get her husband hooked up, and then I'm not gonna say too much more. I don't want to ruin it, but it's just a brilliant performance by Susie. Oh, it's really good, and it was. I think it touches on a lot of the things that we go through when we split up. You know, mm-hmm. people, you go through an emotional roller coaster, and some of these behaviors. See, I talked before about the gender swap. Some of those behaviors, if we would have reversed those roles, if we would have had a girl in Kyle's role and a guy in Susie's role. It would have gotten downright creepy at some point. You know? yeah, like, yeah. It would have gotten like alarming. Yeah, um, you know, she engages in some flat-out stalkery behavior in this film. You know, um, but it's, again, it's played for laughs, and I think the gender swap uh, made that able to be a comedy. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's interesting that we see in the society we live in, we see gender roles sort of uh, the traditional gender roles are dying. It's thing, it's all over the map now, but when you talk about film and story structure and people watching, um, I think that the movie would have only worked the way that it works with the genders being the way that they are. Right. Because um, I think any other way would come off very off-putting. But um, I think Susie, because Susie has a vulnerability um, and because she was in command of every emotional moment in that film, she knew where she was at every moment. There was There's never a confusion in her performance. Right, which is which is amazing to pull off because she's playing a character who's insanely confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that and the homeless dude was awesome. Yeah, I thought that chemistry that 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 he had with her it start it's it's again that it's it's Sasha. She's confused. I mean, she's you know, you know uh, being ignorant to him because she's more worried about what's in front of her. But then it's like it kind of turns to where she relies on him as companionship just for that brief moment. Exactly. And and we wanted to, you know, we wanted to play up, forgive the horrible pun, but we wanted to play up the wacky a little bit. <laughs> um, those of you who've seen the movie will understand what that point is. But uh, we, wanted to, we wanted to play up the wackiness of that moment. We wanted to play up the, the and, and the strange sort of... Dude, like, ew. <laughs> kismet of situations, you know what I mean? Like... Where's the place that you're least likely to find inspiration? The least likely to find, obviously, it's from this crazy homeless guy. Um, so naturally, we had to put, we had to make him the Falstaff for the Shakespeare fans in the, in the audience, you know, the wise and fool, as it were. Um, but it worked out, man. And Tim did such a good job. 
such a good job with material that it's very hard to do. Like I could not. I I don't know that I would have kept a straight face as well as he did. <laughs> Some material he had. Um, <laughs> it was you know I, I I sort of cheated and cast myself in a role where it was perfectly okay for me to laugh at myself while I was speaking. Um, you know, uh, it worked. I don't think I ever actually busted out in laughter. Um, uh, in a take that's in the film, I'm sure there are takes I ruined by laughing. I know there are. I edited the movie, but um, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to. I didn't have to. And the work that Tim had to do is just amazing, astonishing. He had a really hard role. It's it pays off, and I think he's hilarious in it. Yeah. Um, I think he might even be in like literally to me one of the funniest scenes of the film. But yeah. Um. But he just came in and knocked it out of the park, man. Nailed it. I hope everybody that's listening to this that makes movies casts him in everything they do. One of the characters in the movie that um, I think it's it's a zinger. Uh, Rachel Robbins plays Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta be careful how I say this. You get sucked into possibly a relationship because you know, you know because. It's working out, and then something happens, and nothing bad. But I'm going, oh fuck! You know, I mean, you start feeling for his character, but then it brings you back to the beginning. And then, as a as a viewer of this film, you're thinking, dude, now you got one, two, and three. We get my mean, get my mean, three different women. It's like, and. He chose one way, and it's like, wow. I mean, I'm glad that... Well, I'm trying to get to the point without saying it, but I'm glad the ending happened like it did because it wouldn't have been realistic because of all what they went through. So I'm glad that you went the way that you did. Well, thank you. And that was... There was there was a lot of conversations with Kyle and I about how that was going to go down. Uh, you know, we, we, when we were... Because we, the way we would write it is I would write like three pages and fired off to him and he would write like three pages and fired off to me and then we'd have a conversation and then we'd do that some more um, and then the last couple passes we were just ping ponging it back and forth but the ending to me it's the only ending that makes sense mm-hmm. you know it's the only ending that makes sense yeah and I'm not going to lie and say that you know I didn't want to make people like I would hope that when somebody watches that they get a little choked up you know because there's so much stuff that happens in that in, in the last ten minutes of the movie, <laughs> wow. it's like a like it's kind of heart wrenching, you know. But we also wanted to end it on an up note, and not the kind of up note that romantic comedies often end on, which is everybody looks happily ever after, and uh, you're only happy when you find that one person and you fall in love, you know. Right. And um, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be a man. That scene that you just mentioned, it did give me a little bit of tears. So the, the, the emotion factor, uh, if any man says they don't tear up, they're a bunch of fucking liars because <laughs> every man does it. Um, I mean... Absolutely. Absolutely. But I've been through a divorce, so, um, you know, it's a little different story. But the scene that we're talking about, I had a, it's touching. It really is. And how you went with it, the final cut, was very... Uh, realistic because normally it's always the woman that says that not a guy do you know what I mean if you get what I'm I'm trying to say here right and there's a lot of and again that's a lot of the uh, part of that was the the mechanic of 
taking your standard romantic comedy and doing the gender swap on it. Right. You know? so. And part of that, too, is just, like, trying to bring forth realization. And, God, like, I want people to see the movie so bad. There's a part... I did a director's commentary for the Indiegogo backers um, for the DVD that they got, where I, like, go into huge detail about that. But when we're doing this, the big emotional scene at the end... Um, Spoiler, there's a big emotional scene at the end. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When we're doing that, you know, Kyle and I had been planning this movie, I think it was like eight months from pre-pro till we were shooting, till the day we were shooting that scene. And we had a very specific way that we had planned the scene to go. And we do the first take, and I'm just not getting the performance out of Kyle that I wanted to get. And I knew that a lot of the dialogue in there was literally lifted from conversations that he had had with his wife during their split up. And I walked up to him after the first take and I said, Kyle, I want you to do it again, but everything that she's saying, she's absolutely right. You're just too big of a pay-headed idiot to admit it. And I walked away. <laughs> and the <laughs> transformation that took place on his face, he was like, it's horrible. <laughs> but that was, and that's the take that's in the movie. And it works so much better now. Yeah. Yeah. And all credit to Kyle for that, man. He knocked that out of the park. I have nothing but admiration for that. I love him to death. And it's funny with him playing like Raymond and then playing Kyle. He, Kyle in real life is way more like Kyle in Dry Spell than he has ever been like Raymond and Raymond. <laughs> he is a jovial, fun, wonderful dude. He, uh, his day job, he works as a bouncer uh, in New York. Um, and sometimes I even forget. I'm like, how do you bounce at a bar like how is anybody ever scared of you and he's like dude I'm like 6'8 both ways I'm like oh right 6'8 <laughs> both That's ways yeah 6'8 <laughs> <laughs> both ways that's funny <laughs> he's, he's big I mean he's lost some weight go Kyle he has a fitness blog I think up right now but he's lost like 150 pounds since we shot Raymond it. but um but he's still huge. He's still freaking massive. But and and when we were shooting dry spell, it was something we had to kind of try to overcome. There's a scene where you see him and Rachel Robbins dancing, and Rachel's all but about four eight. Yeah. Heels, you know, and that shows off the height difference. But then later on in scenes, we had her on apple boxes and all sorts of stuff to try to <laughs> minimize the damage, you know, of their height difference. And we had to do some forced perspective things with him and Susie sometimes. Um, there's a scene. Uh, that we shot. I'm a big fan, and especially in this film, um, because of the nature of the dialogue. I try to do as many scenes as we could in one take. So, like, um, there's, for example, uh, the scene when the girls go on a double date. They're at this bar um, with the two guys that they're with, and the whole bar scene is one shot. The camera's just moving around between everybody, but it's one shot. Uh, we called it the Jaws shot when it was when we were on uh, on set because of that of the scar comparison scene in Jaws. It's a bunch of one takes, but um, anyway, uh, there's a scene where Kyle and Susie are standing out in front of a building talking, and we had to like arrange them very specifically to try to minimize the height difference as much as we could, right. because we didn't want Kyle to tower too tall over her because he would have looked like way too much of a dick in that scene you know so we had to try to minimize it and there's some gentle camera angles in it that like where we're slightly dutch to try to compensate for that just little little things like that to try to make right. up for Kyle's so big you know he's so huge um 
But and Susie's not a short girl, you know. She's like five nine, five ten. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and just and he was, you know, Kyle's a pro, Kyle's a champ, but he was really nervous getting getting on on set with Susie. You know, it's like this chick knows her stuff. Um, he, he got intimidated by that, but he was scared shitless when we shot Raymond did it of his because his first dialogue in that whole movie was the pivotal conversation between him and Tammy. Right. So he's like, I'm going to be talking to Caitlin from Caitlin's way. This girl has been acting since she was like four. <laughs> I'm a scene with her. Like, what am I going to do? I've, I was in a short film once where I told dick jokes on a couch. Like, I have no frame of reference. <laughs> but I just, you know, I talked him through it. And Lindsay was, again, she was such a dream. She was just like, dude, you're fine. You know your lines. You're good. And we got that whole thing in like three takes. So, I mean, it was... It was awesome. I could sit here and talk all day about how awesome the people I've worked with, yeah. specifically Kyle and Lindsay and Susie are. Oh yeah. So the, well, the next film, um, it's in production. Am I correct? Oh, it's almost finished. Correct. Bloom. Yeah. Um, we're done shooting Bloom. Um, I'm in post right now on it, uh, and that stars Deanne Baker, who was who plays Karen in Dry Spell. Um, yeah. And was shot by the same director of photography, Drew Pianka. Uh, and it's a very, it's back to horror, but it's more um, psychological slash body horror, I guess. Okay. Um, it's, the, the, if I had to give an X meets Y pitch for it, um, I would say it's Dracula meets Metamorphosis. Mm. Like Kafka's Metamorphosis. Um it's probably the closest thing I could I could come to an X meets Y pitch for it. Um, it's a much darker film, much much bleaker sort of. Like you'll leave Dry Spell like maybe a little bit misty, but with a generally good feeling in your heart. I don't think people are gonna feel good after they watch Blue. <laughs> 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 uh, at least I hope they don't. It's kind of aimed. At, it's got it's got a very deliberate bleak outlook to it. But it was a lot of fun. And again, working with Drew on camera. Uh, what's amazing um, that dude knows his, his stuff really well uh, Deanne she's so good like I mean her character in Dry Spell she's got about five minutes of screen time maybe and you have to fall in love with her in those five minutes but the movie didn't work right and, and she pulls it off really well um, and in Bloom she's in every virtually every shot certainly every scene um, she had to carry the whole film and she does such a fantastic job of it yeah. um I can't wait to show people. <laughs> Probably going to be a while because we've got uh, Dry Spell releasing uh, worldwide in, on VOD platforms. Looks like February. I don't have a solid date I can give out yet, but once I do, I will. Um, but it's looking like February-ish. And uh, so I want to make sure that Dry Spell has sort of run its initial like wide release course before I start pushing right. on Right. Uh, too hard, so I'm going to take my time on post, make sure that it's um, the best version of the story that it can be, and hopefully uh, late next year you're releasing it. Nice. And you played a pastor. Uh, I did, yeah. <laughs> Just, anybody who knows me knows that that's hilarious because I'm a rabid, rabid atheist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but I'm a big fan of uh, mythology. And I, I, to me, it's no different than Greek mythology. Um, and I love that sort of structure. And I thought, 
And given the subject matter of Bloom, it was a really cool idea, I thought, to have a priest in there. And I figured, why not? I like acting, so why not put myself in this really dialogue-heavy part, which I keep doing that to myself, and I should know better. <laughs> you do fine. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm a no. very good editor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, it was it was a lot of fun to do. And that scene in Bloom, again, without like wanting to give away the, the you know the farm, um, that scene that I that I was fortunate enough to be in with uh, Deanne is very is a very pivotal self discovery sort of scene for her. So it was nice to be able to throw on the collar and, and knock out that uh, that bed. It was, it was really cool. I'm anxious to see it. So no, I'm anxious to show you. As soon as I have a viewable cut, sir, I will send it your way. No problem. Now you have other projects that I've noticed on. I think it was Indiegogo. What last year or early this year? Um, is it games or something? Yeah, um, Contagion Second Edition. Uh, I when in two thousand four, I think maybe it was two thousand one. Um, a couple friends of mine and I started publishing a tabletop role playing game called Contagion. Uh, tabletop role playing like is basically like Dungeons and Dragons, um, where it's uh, cross between improvisational theater and a board game. Basically, like everybody creates a character, one person tells the story, and they adjudicate all the rules. And you go through adventures. So we built this game called Contagion, uh, which is a modern horror slash urban fantasy setting. It was kind of... I like to joke that it was urban fantasy before there was urban fantasy, because it's set in, like, a a modern world. Um, It's, uh, you know, set now. But, like, there's uh, monsters, and all sorts of horror movie things uh, occur in it, and there's... But there's also, like, your fantasy races, like your Tolkien sort of, like, elves and, um, you know, orcs and things like that as well. So there's, like, a broad um, option for characters and for stories. Uh, and everything, everything supernatural sort of happens in the shadows. So kind of like a, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer-ish sort of setting. And, um, yeah, we uh, did the first version of that back in early, the early 2000s. And I had sort of backburnered it for a while when I got into filmmaking. And then at the beginning of the year, I decided it was time to do a new version of it, update the rules, update the setting. Um, and uh, I raised a little bit of money on Indiegogo to cover uh, like art costs and hire a couple freelancers to help me. It's a huge book. It's like 612 pages of rules. Um, it was a big undertaking. We just actually, the, the digital version of it came out this summer, but we just ordered the first proof copy of the print version. Wow. So hopefully it'll be up for sale in print, like, by in time to get copies for Christmas. So nice. That's what we're aiming for. But it's a lot of fun. I, it's, honestly, I would say it's, like, one of my first loves. That and comics are, are really, like, I love that kind of thing. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the storytelling aspect. Um, that's why I make movies. I want to tell stories. And I like the idea of creating something that people can sit around with their friends and tell their own stories. I feel like I'm part of that. You know what I mean? I feel like I kind right. of get to sit around everybody's campfire when they're playing my game uh, in a way. So that's kind of cool. Cool. Now, is, it, is there anything else? I think you have something else. Do you not? Oh, uh, yeah. The other thing is uh, I do comics. I just started working with this uh, company in Rockford, Illinois, where I'm from called Blackheart Comics and uh, they have collected a couple of comics that I self-published uh, a few years back 
in trade paperback paperback form. Uh, one is Corpus Christi and the Cape Girls, which is sort of a comic, um, it's a comedic adventure of a girl who's so goth that she's actually dead. Um, and so there's sort of, sort of like a, um, you know, Zomcom sort of angle to that storyline. And then, um, Reckoning, which was a comic I did that was kind of inspired by your 70s era revenge movies, like your I Spit on Your Graves. Yeah, yeah. Gator Bait and those kind of movies. Uh, a girl's boyfriend gets killed by drug dealers, so she, um, hunts them all down and, you know, inflicts bloody castrating revenge on everybody. Um, so those two comics have come out this year, and then I'm working on a comic for, um, called Monster Mash, which is based on like a mock trailer I did a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, which you can see on Facebook on the math, you just look up Monster Mash or look me up and I'll post, I'll, I'll have the link up. But, um, it's basically all of your universal horror monsters, like your, uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, but they're all like hot chicks that are scantily clad and they work for this secret government organization that fights evil cultists. Oh, wow. That should be fun. I'm working on the script for that right now, trying to find an artist. So if any of your listeners like drawing comics and like working cheap, uh, they should get hold of me because I'm looking for an artist for that book. Nice. All right. Lots of fun stuff. I do everything. I love telling stories. Yeah, it shows. It shows in your films. So thank you. Yeah, you have one of each. You have a a slasher and you have a comedy, and uh, to go from one end to the other and be successful, it just shows uh, true talent of writing and filmmaking, and you have a cast that can pull them both off. So. Well, thank you, man. I mean, that means a lot to you. It's really cool to you. Well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, we've been talking off and on on Facebook for a little over a year, and uh, I said, you know, it's about time to get Travis on. So. I appreciate the opportunity. It's, uh, thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Yep. All right. Well, take care of yourself and uh, keep in touch, and maybe we'll talk again, I'm sure. You too, absolutely. All right. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye.